The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Just seeing what Bo was meant to do and that he's out doing it, that's, you know, I can't pull a circle for me. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you can need, from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. Welcome back to another week of GDIY, guys. Adam, we're up here in Grouse Camp in Northeast Tennessee, and uh, we uh, aren't finding any birds. <laughs> we found a few. We uh, flew four birds today. Uh, we did find some good food, and I ate entirely too much. I've uh, committed eating salads for the rest of the year. <laughs> that won't last long. A little, little late on the New Year's resolution, there, buddy. Yeah, I know. But yeah, we uh, we had a good walk this morning. Weather held out this morning. Uh, actually, perfect weather this morning, and then yeah. uh, the rain opened up. It was in the forecast. We knew it was going to happen. So uh, we'll get back out tomorrow and give it another shot. Yeah. So this week we have 
a really interesting story. It's Nick Goldsberry from South Dakota. He uh, actually is an avid bird hunter and he does a lot of deer hunting, but it's a little different because he does everything with a German short hair pointer that he rescued. Yeah. And you guys will hear the the details on it. Uh, really neat story on, on how he came to find this dog. Um, I think a big takeaway here is we still want to encourage people to, to go through the process of finding a breeder and, and, uh, and not being worried about price if, if that's something that you can do. But uh, if if you are worried about price and stuff like that, and maybe you don't have the money to go select whatever breeder you choose, you can get a rescue dog and be very successful with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a reason why the process is what it is and, and you're encouraged to find the right breeder for you. But say you're not in a position where you can do that, but you still want a dog or, or maybe it just feels better to you. So, uh, there are dogs out there that need a home there. There's rescue services out there. And Nick actually not to give away too much of his story, just found his at the local pound and, uh, he's hunting birds. He's tracking deer. He, he's doing a lot of stuff with this dog and it's a really neat story. And, uh, like you just said, it's, it's important to do your homework and but if you're not in a position there's there's other options on the table for you and all all you need is a shotgun and a dog yeah and the dog that you rescue from uh from a shelter like that could be from a, a very reputable breeder and then it just ended up in the shelter i mean uh jack joe setter he didn't come from a shelter but man everyone we hunt with is like you have papers on that dog where's that <laughs> yeah, dog from yep. um and joe's like i don't have a clue but he's a great dog so yep. uh you know you can get good dogs from shelters yeah obviously not all of them but uh there there are out there and if it feels right and it's and you you're in the right position and have the time to commit and you'll hear in this story and i think uh it's a testament to to nick's outlook on on his dog because he, he put up with he didn't put up with a bunch of stuff but there were some some learning curves along the way and, and some hurdles to jump across that that a lot of people may not have been willing to go through and uh, he came out the other end all the better for it and you're going to hear this in this story and i think that's really all we have for you to, uh, this week on the intro and i hope you guys just enjoy this the story of how nick got his dog and and it's just a good feel good story yeah enjoy guys if you're looking for new apparel that works better for you in the field be sure to check out the amazing products at duck camp they're a direct-to-consumer company that prides itself in producing high quality gear for every type of outdoorsman including wing shooters unlike your shooting their upland shirts are a can't miss they're available in different weights to make sure you get what you need on your hunt Check them out through the link on our website, gundogityourself.com. And if you purchase something, please be sure to tell them GDIY sent you. Do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts? Is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up? You train your dog, but now it's time to train yourself. Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field of prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. 
Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. Hey everybody, welcome back to GDIY. Me and Adam are here with Nick Goldsberry. He's uh, out of South Dakota. Nick, how you doing tonight? Oh, not too bad. So you want to tell everybody where you're coming from? I'm coming out of uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, just right outside the Black Hills, about uh, 25 miles from Mount Rushmore. There you go. Nice nice pheasant country living up in South Dakota. You you been shooting any birds here lately? Yes, sir. Harvested a couple on uh, Saturday. There you go. So so you've been out, uh, you got a few pheasants on Saturday. Have you always been a, a bird hunter? I grew up hunting uh, big game and deer with my dad. And then about when I was 15, 14 years old, I got my first shotgun and started going after grouse and waterfowl, you know, ducks, geese and whatnot. And yeah. Was that in South Dakota? Yeah. I've lived here all my life. And, you know, before you, you know, hunting upland game without a dog, it just doesn't work. So I've, I've had bow for it'll be two years in January and I just, call it being a born again upland hunter because all the years before was just a waste of time (laughs) (laughs) that's right so pretty much as you you loved upland hunting but you just you what did you go hunt with another buddy that had a dog and you're like all right this is how it's really done or did you just eventually make it through to where it's like all right i gotta get a dog well actually i just i have i never hunted upland game with a dog until i had both actually i uh what really got me turned on to hunting over a dog is we were doing a goose shoot in the southern part of the state. And uh, the guy on the hunt brought a really well-trained black lab. And just watching that lab work and 150-yard blind retrieves, and it was just awesome. It's like, man, I got I got to get me one of these. This, this changes the game. Yeah, you knew you had to get a dog then. So how long did you go around – uh, kicking bushes by yourself without a dog before you ended up getting one? Uh, four years. Okay. And that was kind of, that sealed the deal. You're like, I've, I've got to get a dog. Yeah. So, yeah. So the black lab kind of got you interested. So what made you decide, okay, the black lab was awesome. What, what made you want a, a short hair or was it, you just wanted a hunting dog in general? Well, I didn't, after that day, I started doing quite a bit of research and, you know, I was kind of looking at labs and talking to some people, you know, I was, was doing quite a bit of waterfowling and did some upland hunting and it was just, uh, you know, did some research and, but actually kind of, you know, stirred the pot a little bit as a family friend of ours. Uh, I've known him all my life. He, uh, has always had drawthars and, I never hunted over them, but you know, their temperament, their mentality, just seeing that bond between a guy and his dog, like, you know, that's what I want. And I mean, Bo was actually just a completely circumstantial, got him on a Sunday afternoon type deal. <laughs> just go right into it head first with no, no, no knowledge really. Yeah. You just kind of fell into it or, or maybe he, he fell into you. So how did you end up? 
getting bow, I mean, it, did you decide on a on a breed first, or did you decide I want a versatile dog or I want a pointing dog, and then you went from there? I was what, looking what was more your, towards the versa, versatile and the pointing dogs. Yeah. What was your process? I mean, you, you determined that, you know, I want a versatile dog, and then what was your process? Just did a bunch of research online and, and read a couple old books and started, you know, calling around to breeders and... When you're, I was 19, just turned 20 at the time, you know, and you're carpenter and you're broke, you're young and broke, you know, it's, some of them pups are kind of out of your price range and it's yeah. quite a stretch. Oh yeah. So I was just looking and talking and seeing what my options were. And I was actually a friend of mine that has the Drothars, a guy he's hunted with since college, ran Drothars and. He had a dog that was, he uh, was looking at rehoming. It just wasn't a good fit in the home. She was kind of an aggressive dog. She'd go after the wife's terriers and stuff. And wife said, well, you got to find a home. And he was, you know, if you're willing to take the time and the effort to hunt her and learn, you can have her. And I, it's just one of those deals, you know, knowing that she's you know, kind of aggressive. It's like, well. And that was a fully trained, you know, pretty much a started dog. Yeah. Yeah. I think even, uh, he participated in Navden. I even think she had a couple titles. Okay. And I just, I, I just didn't feel right taking that kind of dog on without the experience to handle it. Now, was that going to be a, a free dog or was that something you were going to have to buy? Free. I mean, I'm, yeah, go ahead. I was just, he was going to give it to me. Okay, man, that's, that's an impressive decision to say, no, I can't do this. This is not the right dog. Kind of above my pay grade. That's how I felt with it. And then a friend of mine, well, he's kind of like a grandfather figure. He took me fishing and he was going to mentor me in the pheasant. He had a short hair. And when he, he passed away unexpectedly before hunting season and his wife was looking for someone to take his six-year-old short hair female and i it was kind of the same deal i just there's a lot of a lot of uh you know weight on your shoulders a lot to undertake you know yeah and i uh i actually helped her find a home a friend of ours actually lost his dog you know it got old and passed away and i you know he had had dogs for quite a few years and we decided, you know, between me and my my old man and his wife, that you know, I'd be the home to go to. That's you know, I that's what I told him. If it was me, I'd I'd give them to these people, give her to these people instead. Yeah. That have that no dogs and are you know ready to take it. Okay, so you had a couple dog opportunities right there that that you passed on just for feeling that maybe it was above your pay grade, you weren't experienced enough, or or uh, just wasn't the right fit in general. So tell us about how Bo came to be. You know, why what made Bo the right choice for you? And tell us that whole scenario and process that you went through with him. It was kind of just a funny deal. It was crappy weekend in January and not much going on in town. Hunting season was closed. So I actually, me and the, an old girlfriend went to the local pound, local animal shelter. And uh, 
to go just feed the dogs, hang out the dogs, and walking through, and all these dogs, you know, it's a pound, so it's every dog's barking and raising cane, and just remember walking by this kennel, and it looked like there wasn't a dog in it. I looked at Dylan, said German short-haired pointer, name Bo, age five years old. I looked down in there, and he's just sitting there hanging out. Just kind of looked like sitting in a jail cell, hanging out, <laughs> Man, just waiting on you, waiting sentence. Yeah, and I, you know, fed him some treats and kind of they let me take him into a room one on one. He's just a just a really sweet dog, and they kind of told me his story. He was five, and he'd been through a couple homes and. They, you know, they, they were short term. They only had him for a couple weeks or a couple months and then he'd, he'd be back in. And I, you know, I said, I, you know, I, I felt so bad for him. Cause he's like, well, if you've been through this much, you know, you know, there's only, you know, so much, you know, so many homes you dog can go through, you know, I put a hold on him and I thought about it for about an hour. I left the shelter and I just turned the truck around. And I went back and got him. Like for 150 bucks, even if you're not a hunting dog, I just need to get you out of there and you can just hang out with me. Man, so those first two dogs that you turned down, you just had a feeling that that they weren't right for you. And when you came across Bo, it sounds like you knew that he was right. Yeah. There's just there's just something about him, just how he looked at you, and it's just his mannerism and his he's a I've been quite around quite a few versatile dogs and sporting breeds since I've gotten into the world of gun dogs. And he's about the most mellow dog you'll ever meet. He's just sitting on the couch next to me right now, passed out. That's awesome. So you said he was about five when you got him. Do you know? Yep, he'd, yeah, go ahead. He was born on new year's day of 2013 for okay. his medical records born in Salina, Kansas. So do you know any of the, story between when he was born and when you got him do you know a bit of his history a little bit from it's all bits and pieces like when they gave me his paperwork that his medical records so i called the vet kansas because he has a bad foot and from what it sounds like is he might have fell out of a truck or something and got his foot caught on something or whatnot and it actually crushed the foot mm. So his left rear foot is deformed and it's mostly just bone tissue and scar tissue. Now very, there's a little bit of hide left on it and hair. So but, does, uh, does he still get along pretty good with that injury or is, has that affected him now too? Oh yeah. Yeah. I just, I put a boot on him just to keep it from rubbing raw, but it don't slow him down. We've hunted five days in a row, straight full shooting opening time, 10 AM out here till sunset. Man, that's awesome. And he'll keep going. He just has no quit. Awesome. So you figured out some of the medical history. Walk us through again what what little bit you know about Bo from from then on with the foot injury to when you were able to find him at the pound. Well, it sounds like with that foot injury when he was about maybe 18 months old, too, he was really young. But I, you know, and of course, everyone has their own idea on what could have happened, but Sounds like the guy just kind of left him there. It's probably cheaper to buy a new pup than to, you know, fix the foot, do it right. And I don't know how he made it from Kansas up here to the Dakotas, but I think he must have gotten one of them, you know, rescue deals, and they put him in the local humane society, and he 
he'd get picked up for a couple months, couple weeks, and they'd, they'd bring him back and say he's too wild. He ain't wild at all. I live in a 385-square-foot house on a quarter-acre lot, and he's just content with it. <laughs> you put him on the front seat of the truck, he just lays right down, unless, we're, of course, we're driving somewhere to hunt, and then it's sitting up, window down, looking for what's going on. Yeah, he he probably knows but, when you're going to hunt, right? Oh, yeah, he knows when he hears the safe tumble and he sees the dog bag come out. He knows it's time to get down to business. Time to yeah. go to work. So how many homes do you know of that Bo was in before you adopted him? Counting me, I think I'm his fifth owner. Wow. So you're his fifth owner. So four times, for whatever reason, he ended up back in the in the pound, whether it was the original owner you know, saying it wasn't worth the price to fix his foot or the return saying he was too wild being a GSP. Yeah. Imagine that. But it sounds like he's not even your average GSP. So, no. so you come across Bo, uh, you you take him home. It doesn't exactly get off to the best start. You want to tell us what happened that first night at home? Yeah. You had a cat at the house since I've had since I was a kid and, you know, they told me no cats, and I'm like, well, I kind of lied on that one because I'm like, I'm going to get you out of here, buddy. I'll, I'll figure it out. Well, I introduced him to the cat. The cat hissed at him, and he said that was his new uh, takeaway. He learned drop real quick. And after that, you know, they sorted out their differences, and that, of course, took a couple months for him to get adjusted to that. But he just kind of found his spot in the floor, and he just kind of hung out. I just let him be. You know, I put some food down, some water, and friend of mine gave me a crate you know to keep him in and all that night you know i kind of let him out i just left the crate door open you know that way he could come go as he please you know let that be his spot yeah you know and he wanted to get up on the bed i'm like, all right no big deal you know and the room's dark and i'm getting ready to go sleep and he gets on the bed and lays down next to me and start petting him and he starts growling it's like all right buddy what's your deal because that ain't gonna fly and it was about 10, 15 minutes later, I went to pet him again. He turned around, he snapped me and got me on the arm and got me pretty good. Well, I think in some time when during his life, he's been through some pretty bad abuse. Because yeah. I, you know, I, you know, our reaction, it wasn't the right thing to do by any means. I, I struck him right on the head and I turned the light on. He laid on the side of my bed. On the mattress, it almost looked like he went into a seizure. Looking at me, shaking, and he uh, defecated on the bed. Let everything go. It's like, it's like, man, what has happened to you? It's, uh, the picture you're painting kind of sounds like uh, you guys figured each other out right then. Like he, he just reacted and and did something. It sounds like he knew, he realized he was wrong, and then. You kind of did the same thing, struck him on the head, and then sounds like you went into the mode of like, oh, man, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And he was kind of uh, doing the same thing, like, yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have done that either. So from yeah. then on, were you guys and, good, or uh, what happened from there? Well, right after that, I called my buddy at the draw fire. Danny is his name, and uh, I asked him, you know, what do I what do? I, do? I told him what happened, he goes, Put on your Carhartt coat and some leather gloves and take him outside and just lay him down on the ground and hold him there. Okay. Sta- establish dominance or something? Yeah. And 
I did that for about a minute and he kind of relaxed. I let him go and he, after that, it was just fine, you know. And I've never, never an aggression with, I've had him around small kids as small as a couple months old. He, lo- he actually loves babies for some reason. If I'm walking downtown with him and he sees a stroller, he just sits and waits for a stroller to roll by so he can <laughs> see the little tykes. <laughs> so so was, I never worried about him being aggressive at all. So it was I really think it was just, just more his reaction was fear. Yeah, so it was really just kind of y'all figuring out, like, all right, who's in charge here? This is my new environment. You know, maybe he was intimidated just not knowing where he's at for the first night. But to a testament to, to your patience, I mean, it's, you know, the average person – probably would have done exactly what the other homeowners did and taken them right back right after that, that first instance. Yeah. And I just, that wasn't on, that wasn't in the cards for him. I just, I wasn't going to let it happen. Figure I made the commitment to him, you know, now it's, you know, the rest of his days, you know, we got to make it work. Yeah. So you were totally committed to him and that's something that he hadn't had before. It was almost like he was testing the waters maybe, how how did you start establishing, you know, boundaries and routine? I mean, he's he's laying on the couch next to you now, hanging out, being yeah, pretty much what we all want out of our dogs. We're not hunting with him. How'd you get to that point? Well, he was pretty much like that all the time. And I mean, routine was you get up. In the, I get up four thirty five in the morning and get ready to go to work. Get up, let him out, put his feet down, have my coffee, let him eat. I'm back out again, and then I hang out until I go to work. And then first couple weeks, I come home on my lunch, check on, make sure he's kosher, because I actually had him in an, I built an insulated doghouse. I built plywood box, put two-inch foam, sheeted it again, sided it, shingled it, and uh, put a heated mat in there, and I had him in a locked kennel. And until I could trust him, that's where he was for about a month. And I just... You know, I'd start testing him. I'd go over to a buddy's for an hour and, you know, see what he's going to do. And he's never chewed nothing up. He's never had, you know, an accident in the house. He's, you know, perfect dog. Or usually when I leave the house, he's in the same spot when I come home. Well, yeah, he saw you build that palace you built for him. And he thought, I better not mess this up. Yeah. That's what I think, you know, so it sounds like it, y'all just kind of took your time the smart way, just getting used to each other, developing that bond and the routine every day. When did you, better yet, what did you start working on first? Like once you got used to each other, did you start introducing any like basic obedience uh, and just <clears throat> overall boundaries in the house once y'all got used to each other? Yeah, I did. And I hadn't. And the only person I really knew that had a hunting dog that I knew really well was my friend, Denny. He, he started out with Goldens, and then he later in life moved on to the Drothars and the versatile breed. But his dog, is a, Crystal, is a four-year-old wire hair and wanted to kind of socialize her. So he had me bring Bo over, and they met, and they kind of sniffed each other out. And before that, Bo wanted nothing to do with any other dog. He got at him, just kind of, you know, leave me alone. You know, I want my own space. And then he, brought him, he met Crystal and the light went on. They're, they're best buds. He knows 
I'm, I can be a mile from his house and he knows where we're going. Yep. <laughs> we're going over to see Crystal. So, <laughs> and he kind of helped me, helped me through it. You know, he has his own set of signals and commands he uses that he knows works throughout the years. And we started working on sit, stay, park it, which has come to heal. Uh, you know, kennel. Or, you know, if they get ran, two dogs getting rambunctious in the garage, you know, we t- tell them, hey, go lay down. Denny's command for go lay down is rug. He just like simple one word commands. Makes sense. And, you know, he was so easy going that it was, it was pretty easy, really. He just took time with the hand signals, you know, which have helped quite a bit, actually, as we transitioned into the field that fall. And how. Cause that's what he told me. He goes, you know, whether this, you know, your dog hunts or not, he goes, number one thing a dog needs to be is obedient and controlled. Absolutely. Cause if you don't have the obedience and the control, nothing, they're going to be a pain in your butt. They're going to cause nothing but a headache. And that's really what we start on. Just, he was just kind of my buddy. I took him everywhere with me. If I wasn't at work, Bo was with me. If I was going over to a buddy's house, going over to the family, see the family, whatever he was, Bo was there. Hmm. And I'd take him out, exercise and take him out for walks, take him out, let him run and kind of do his thing. That was probably from February until April, March, April. We did just that, you know, just learn how to be buddies. Yeah. So what month was it that, that you ended up getting the dog? You remember I that? got him in the end of January. Okay, so by March, April, you guys felt like your buddies. Did you take him out hunting that season? No, our season pheasant closes actually on January fifth. Closes the weekend after New Year's every year. Right. So it was like a. Uh, that's what I mean. Like that. That season. I guess it would have been about a year after you had him, but you took him out as soon as you could, right? So oh, the season been, came back in. It been yeah that are. South Dakota has a resident pheasant season that opens on October. It opens the week before the big opener when everyone can come hunt. The resident openers open to public land only. You know, I hunt public land. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can hunt the first three days, you know, you hunt Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Then the season closes till the big opener, which is always, you know, usually October 19th. And you had him out there. Yeah, I actually had him out opening day of grouse, too. We just, grouse weren't that good that year, and we weren't yeah. finding them. Yep. But what actually got me turned on to thinking, hey, this dog knows what he's doing was my uncle lives just outside of town, and his neighbor has kind of a thick pasture, thick grasslands, and it's got big slew in it. And I put and did some reading, you know, off the internet, Project Upland. I had a lot of good articles I read, and Got a couple books from a friend of mine, old old books from the sixties and the seventies, and I just got a check cord and put him on a check cord, and I put him on that field, and all of a sudden he's just moving left to right at fifty feet, and you can tell he's just searching, and all of a sudden he just locks up on a point. <laughs> all right, all when you're running point dog points, according to the book, you're supposed to walk up and kick the bird up. Okay. I do that and I'll come grouse. All right, cool. So we keep going through this slough and 
he's pointing grouse and he actually caught one we had to let that go thank god he's soft mouth i didn't need him crunching a bird out of season wow but after that you know it's like he's got potential took him out on a county road one time with a 22 rifle and fired it and he didn't phase me just kind of looked at you like well, what are you doing we hunting or are we just messing around here so so, so you so you saw the potential in him describe us like all right what are you doing next you're like all right he's got it let's let's actually turn him into something did you did you go go to your buddy that kind of helped walk you through it or did you just go back yep. to the books and do it on your own describe us like the training program that you put him through it was probably a 50 50 of my buddy denny helping me because i i'd go over to his house once twice a week and you know let the dogs go and you know kind of show me some things and you know listen to the old stories i mean he's in his 60s and he's been hunting pheasants since he was a kid got a lot of experience there and i learned a lot i wouldn't me and bo wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for denny and his dog crystal and i did the book and i actually ran into a i was out running bow one day on a Stretch of grassland, just letting him run and do his thing. And this was probably May that year. And I was running to this guy, the sprinter, and he started talking. Well, he gives me a card for a local hunting dog club, the Western Dakota Bird Dog Club, which is ran by uh, Jared Stillman of Stills Kennels up in the hills. And they're an AKC club, and out there on a Saturday or a Sunday, they do training on Sundays with birds. And I brought Bo out there, you know, really was nervous about, all right, what's this going to be like, you know? And they asked him what my goal was. And I said, I just want to turn this pound dog into a pheasant hunting machine. <laughs> and he was able to help me do that. And you got, have you guys seen the, some people use them, they're a bird pull. They take a stick of rebar into the ground and put PVC over it. Yeah. Then there's a string line. Yep. They plant the you know chucker or whatever you're using. Yep, I've seen and he it. was he took right to that. Run him through the course on a check cord. You know he held all his points pretty well. He creeped once the birds flushed, but I mean me and Bo kind of marched to our own drum on a lot of things. <laughs> if there's you know we don't do it all by the book. I'd like to learn to buy the book way, but. So far, what we're doing is working out for a couple amateurs. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have been really successful so far. Um, you said you're out last weekend and you just bagged a couple pheasants. Uh, how often do you get out and get to hunt with Bo? I try to go every weekend, if not every other weekend. Closest pheasant country is about two hours away from my house. But I can hunt sharp tails 15 minutes away. But lately, the sharp tails ain't been that good close to town. Have you bagged a few sharp tails this year too? Actually, me and Bo have never harvested a sharp tail together yet. Just I haven't been in the right place at the right time, or I shoot and I miss. Yeah, it happens a lot. So you haven't been able to strike up that luck that you had the first time you were out with him on the check cord, huh? No. Bo does his job, but I wasn't able to do mine, which is why the following year I went and started shooting skeet once a week after work. And that definitely changed the game this season. <laughs> yeah. There's a disapproving look when you miss on the second shot and the bird don't come down. The dog looks back <laughs> at you. 
Yep. He's actually hunted in front of my buddy that doesn't have a dog because I was missing. He's done that more than once. <laughs> oh, so so you you have success on pheasant. You're you're still trying on the the sharp tails, but uh, to to your point on wanting a versatile dog, you not only upland hunt with them, but you waterfowl hunt with them too, right? Um, I've never put them in the duck blind yet, but there's been a couple times I've been out in a public land area and you, you're already shooting steel anyway. You have to shoot steel on the game production and stuff here in South Dakota and had a mallard get up, had a geese get up and I knock them down and he was all about that too. So open here, geese season runs till February in this part of the state. So I might try to get him out in a couple field hunts, see how he does as long as it ain't too cold. Yeah. So with the retrieving though, so sounds like he's, he's retrieving. Did you have to do any force fetch or formal retrieving training or did that just come stock with him as well? He actually wouldn't retrieve until end of the season last year. He'd, you'd knock a bird down. He'd find it. He'd run it down. He'd either hold the bird down with his paws. If he's still alive, lay on it, do whatever he had to do. Or he'd just sit there and point it dead. And, you know, of course, going from never having a bird dog to having one, I was just fine. Like, you know what, for 150 bucks, I'll pick up my own bird. I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can't beat that. No, but, I started but he's retrieving now, you said? Yes, very, very well. How'd you get him Sometimes to that point? Sometimes if there's a lot of dogs in the field and there's some comp- competition, we might have some issues. But if it's just me and him, every bird's brought back. Okay. How'd you get him to that point where he, where he started retrieving? I just, I was invited on a hunt with back in Eastern South Dakota with a, my buddy Denny and a group of his friends. And they have some really good, really good draw fires and threw bow in with them and let them run with the big boys. And he'd get a bird and they'd start, you know, they'd come up and take the bird from him. And I think after you guys, all right, this is what this is what we got to do here. We got everything figured out, but this. But he sees the other dogs getting, you know, good pets and treats and attaboys for bringing the bird back. We were hunting a food plot, sorghum. Bow points the rooster, knock the rooster up, knock it down, and fell into a plowed bean field. That dog ran out there, picked it up, looked at me, and I just started walking was him to come to me and he brought it right back and gave it to me wow that's, that was actually how the retrieving started believe it or not man that's no impressive nothing just hunting with other dogs and since then he's been good at retrieving brings every bird to you pretty much huh yep i mean this year when we were i was hunting in the central part of the state all the corn's up still it was a wet really wet year here and I hit one and it fell. Didn't make probably the best shot. A lot of pelts in the wing. And it fell down about 40 yards or so into a standing corn. And I just went and stood at the edge of the corn. Bow went right in. And it took about five minutes to find it. But I had about five minutes ago. I better find him because I don't hear him anymore on his beeper. So I started walking in. And also I turned around. Bow standing behind me with the bird in his mouth. <laughs> All right, there, there we go. You got this figured out. Yeah, can't beat that. Easy, easy training yeah. for you so far. 
So Bo not only bird hunts, but you've you've told me in the past conversation that uh, he's tracked a few deer for you as well. How did you figure that one out? Walk us through through how you uh, you just put him on the ground. Let, let's see what he does. That was pretty much what it was. I hit a doe with my bow. I had a good shot, good blood. Couldn't find it. Blood trail just ran out. I made a big circle. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm only about half an hour from home. I said, you know what? Went and grabbed the bow, put his collar on him, got him ready to go. I took him back where my, my arrow hit and had blood. And immediately, you know, you know how them short hairs are. Their hair, tails start doing the helicopter when they got sent. And he just followed it and rolled his way down the blood trail. And it ran out of blood. He just started acting like he was bird hunting, moving back and forth, looking on, you know, going underneath trees, going in the thick cover. And all of a sudden, I heard his beeper go off, and there's there's a deer, and he's just sitting there hanging out with it. And I said, like, "Well, maybe this could be useful." <laughs> and it's you know, with blood trailing anything, you know, it's a it's a fifty fifty. There's times I've gone out and helped buddies, and we haven't found them, but. You know, we, we we make the effort to help out, and, you know, there's just more field time for me and Bo. Something else to do. Yeah, absolutely. So how many deer does he track for you now, and are you, are you doing it for your buddies now? I mean, I would if they needed me, but a lot of them are pretty good shots, pretty good trackers, so it hasn't ever been an issue. So yeah. far, he's found four for me and one for a buddy. <laughs> So, I mean, you can't beat that so far. I mean, it, it sounds like up to now everything's been, you know, good and easy. And, I mean, like you said, I mean, 150 bucks for for a dog that hunts, now retrieves, tracking deer for you and everything. What Has there been one thing that stands out in your head that's been perhaps the biggest challenge that, that you see that, okay, we, we may actually need to figure out how to train and overcome this? Is there anything that stands out for you? Uh, the hardest thing we had was he'd like to creep on points on them planted chuckers and just doing a little bit of a wool break, just kind of, you know, wrapping the check cord into that saddle type deal, yeah. suitcasing them, I guess yeah. it's called. Yeah. Half and holding them in that and then letting them flush the bird and making them stay there. Okay. First couple weeks of season, birds are young. They haven't been shot at very much. By December, it's a completely different game. You, if you shut your truck door too loud, you'll see all the birds go at the end of the slough. And you, it's almost like still stalking deer. They get jumpy um, in the field. I really don't use any vocal commands. I just whistle and keep you know keep his attention, and use the hand signals I got for him left, right, park it. He's actually caught a couple roosters. You know, the roosters will dig themselves down so deep in the CRP or the slough grass and the snow. And we had one deal right. He walked up on a point in some grass this year. I'm kicking on this bird ain't coming up. So, I'm, you know, what's going on here? And all of a sudden I see a tail feather. Well, he's just pointing a tail feather. There's one little tail feather. That tail feather moved, bowed, dove his head into the grass, and he come out that rooster. <laughs> so, then the rooster's got his head up, and I'm like, well, birds you don't got to shoot eat better. <laughs> That's right. He saved you some money on a shotgun shell. Oh, and especially when you're shooting federal wind shocks, you need to. Okay. Need to save all the money you can. Yeah, <laughs> and you know from what I've read and you know things I look at online, you know they don't want, you don't want your dog catching birds. You don't want them, and it seems like on the you know the field trials and stuff I watched online and the hunt test that's fine and dandy, but in the real world up here, I you know early season I shoot the pointed birds, but you know if a bird gets up wild on me and Bo, I, I'm taking a shot. I might be the only bird you see all day. Or, you know, if I can't, if he's down in some thick cover and I can't get down to it, 
oh, get the bird. He's either going to get the bird out for me. He's going to bring it back out one or the other. You know, I don't know if maybe that's the right way or the wrong way, but it's filled a lot of game pa- game pouches for me. It's each their own. I mean, that th- there are a bunch of people that do it your way, and I mean, like you said, you you're kind of a meat hunter, and you're you're not you're not testing or or trying to get a ribbon or anything. You're out there to enjoy your time with the dog and and shoot birds and put birds in the vest. So there's really not, a, you know, as long as it's legal and ethical, hey, do you. It's your dog, and uh, there's nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's whatever makes you happy. Um, when when people mention that it's not good for the dog to catch the bird, I think they're concerned about the dog getting the idea that it doesn't depend on you to shoot the bird, so it'll start to try to catch all of them. Is the theory there? And you know that when Bo catches them, it's you know he's not going to catch every one. So I guess if it became a habit he could start getting into the to the routine of trying to catch them and then they fly off before you're within gun range. But it, it sounds like you guys don't have that problem. It sounds like you've got it figured out. No, and that's where I've always kept Bo really close. You know, my shotgun I is patterned around 40 yards. So I keep Bo at 40 yards. You know, once he gets out past that, I bring him back in, and it's all type of cover I'm hunting. If I'm hunting short grass or wheat stubble, mm-hmm. he can go out a little further because he will hold the point. The times he's picked up a bird out of the grass or caught one, it's almost been on like a get it command. Where you know, get it, Bo. Try to get it, you know, trying to, I can't get it flushed. You get a shot. And if he pulls the bird out, great. You know, them, you know, I'm not, I'm a very inexperienced grouse hunter. We have a population of rough grouse in the Black Hills and the, they're so hard to see. The cover's so thick, but I think me and Bo are going to give her a try next year, chase some roughies. Heck yeah. Watch out. It'll stick in your blood after that. Yeah, that's all right. Them <laughs> pheasants, they like to run, and they like to bury themselves in the deeper cover, especially the more the hunting pressure gets on and, the, you know, whatever it takes to get the bird up. But Well, besides the rough grouse, do you have any other plans coming for you and Bo next year or the next few seasons? you got anything that you're hoping to achieve with them? Uh, I'd like to like to get a rough grouse with him and start getting into the rough grouse hunting and harvesting more sharp tails. Like like to get a prairie chicken with him, December full plume prairie chicken. Yeah. I missed our opportunity I whiffed on this year. Around Thanksgiving time we were hunting some public land and bird gets up, he pointed it, thought it was a hen, and then I'm looking, I'm like, Them wings are beating weird and by then it was fifty yards out, so <laughs> <laughs> I I made that mistake on that one, but I've been toying around the idea of going over to Wyoming next year for sage grouse. I think that'd be a really cool bird to be able to hunt and get into some big country. That's what I like is just, I've been in some groups of, you know, seven, eight, nine people, and that's quite fun on a pheasant hunt, but my favorite hunts are when it's just me and my dog and just focus on the dog work, you know, and have good retrieves and good shooting and you know, solid points. That's just seeing what Bo was meant to do and that he's out doing it. That's, you know, that came full circle for me. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. I, I don't deer hunt as much as I used to. I don't waterfowl hunt as much as I used to. I, I'd rather be out with him chasing birds. I think you said it perfect right there. I think everybody listening to this can probably agree with you on that one. Uh, now nah, that sounds like a great plan, the sage grouse and everything, but 
from when you first decided to get get your dog and you rescued Bo, you know, things turned it out turned out a little different than you maybe anticipated or planned when you first decided on it. Have you had any regrets at all? I think I know the answer to this of going the rescue route as opposed to maybe the other examples that you gave before you got Bo or purchasing from another breeder. Not at all. It's just kind of one of them deals is meant to be. You know, I, that's the way I look at it. You know, it's it was kind of a funny deal. The local Cabela's has a dog days type event here before bird season starts. And the dog club I'm part of, they were doing a rattlesnake break clinic where they put a defamed rattlesnake mm-hmm. out in the field, put a, you know, high voltage collar on your dog and your dog notices the snake and goes for it. They hit him. Well, Bo got a double dose because that snake bit him right on the snout, and he got deep fried. <laughs> so now he, re- he really don't like snakes. Good. And when I was in, I went into the store after the fact. I was looking for something for Bo. I can't remember. New vest or something for him. And the Humane Society was there, and they seen him. They recognized him and me, and they go, you know, just seeing the dog that walked out of the pound six, seven months before that you know, now where he's at now, it was kind of a, you know, really rewarding deal to see. Uh, and I look at the old pictures of him. He's kind of shy and timid and always kind of just had his head down. Now it's, you know, like some pictures I sent Nick back in the beginning of the month. That's the dog I got now. Yeah. It's amazing how far you've brought him. Um, I'm sure you've got a, a second dog on the horizon for you at some point. What are you thinking? Get another dog, or oh, I, I'll I'll have a I'll have a bird dog till I drop. No, I hear you. Yeah, I feel the same way. So the only regret I have about going about the rescue way, and it's not really a regret; it's more of a disadvantage. Is I got Bo when he was five. You know, what's the average age of a dog that's hunted? Thirteen, fourteen sure. at the latest. Yeah, somewhere I didn't around get, that. I only got about half the time with him, if that yeah. makes sense, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Me so, and Bo only got half his life together, so I'm, that's why I hunt him as much as I can. we got to make up for lost time. But, so you think you'll, your next dog will be from a rescue? If the opportunity came and I thought it was going to work, I wouldn't, wouldn't think twice. Yeah, especially if you can get one that's a little younger and have more time. Yeah, I mean, I I do it all over again if I could, and do it the exact same way. And like I said, I'd have no problem going the rescue out again. But part of me is also wanting to try the, you know, now that I know what the bird dog, you know, life's all about and what it all takes. It'd be kind of cool to see that, you know, the reward out of raising a pup as well. Absolutely, you know, getting that eight week, ten week old pup. Having him all the way till he's till his days are done. I think about that quite a bit when me and Bo are hunting. He's, you know, I've seen him. He's on. He'll be seven on Thursday, and or it'll be Wednesday. Wednesday he'll be seven years old, and you can kind of see a couple grays showing. And it's like, you know, we got we got a lot of more. We got a lot more birds to point before you're done, buddy. Well, Nick, I I really enjoyed this. I, I know. We, I think we just found each other on Facebook. I think you randomly commented on on one of the posts and mentioned that Bo was a rescue, and I was like, I got to hear more about this story. And and just from the fact that you know 
you're his fifth home. He's been returned multiple times to the first night was kind of a rocky start and you stuck through it. And now you, you have a best friend to hunt with and you have even bigger plans for him in the future. I think that's just, that's awesome. And I mean, it's, it doesn't happen a lot. It's, it's a rare story, but I just thought that it was, it was a fun story that I wanted to get on, on the episode for everybody else to enjoy. Oh, and I, I appreciate you, you know, having me on and you guys bringing come, you know, maybe an attention to this is I've seen it, you know, looking on the dog classifieds and stuff. And there's some pages on Facebook, you know, in my opinion, a dog's a forever commitment. You know, whatever it takes, you know, that's, you made the commitment. I agree. And that's, and that's in my opinion, you can't sell a, you know, a four-year-old dog cause it doesn't meet quite your expectations. A lot of times, in my opinion, it ain't the dog's fault, it's the handler. Yep. That's, I mean, I, like I said, from, unless I'm at work, I'm with my dog. <laughs> and that's what it's taken to develop the bond that me and him got. There, you know, when we hunt, there's no hollering at him. Right at the beginning of the field, it's hunt him up, both. Then a couple whistles here and then, some praises at the end. Perfect have a poetry in motion deal but no well and as you guys know having dogs you don't understand it until you see it absolutely no i think think anybody that has a bond and has a dog at the house i mean that's that's what gets everybody hooked and that's why we're doing this and trying to get more information out to everybody and there's there's a million different ways to skin a cat and that even goes from how you pick a dog and where you find one and i think uh your story is a testament to that is there uh is there anywhere on Instagram or Facebook if people wanted to kind of see pictures of Bo and, and what you're what you're doing with him with deer tracking and the and the upland hunts, is there a place that people can go and check out some pictures? Yeah, I got a Facebook. You just probably look up Nick Goldsberry on Facebook and look for the big bearded guy holding three pheasants with the short hair. I'll be us and I got an Instagram too. I think my username's Nick Goldsberry dot one, but I'm sure if you look, look up Nick Goldsberry and start seeing a, I said a big bearded guy with some birds, probably me. <laughs> well, that's perfect, Nick. I, again, I appreciate you coming on. I really enjoyed this, and uh, we'll check back soon and maybe maybe meet up for a hunt one day. That'd be great. You guys ever get out to the Dakotas? Let me know. We'll make something work. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Really enjoyed this. I'm I'm just hey. grinning ear to ear because I can imagine uh, Bo's just thinking, man, finally the right person found me. So it's it's been great listening to yeah. you. And you know, something I tell any you know younger dog handler, even the you know, ones way more experienced than me, you know, just never give up on that dog. You know, they're born to please. You know, as long as you don't give up on them, they'll keep trying until they get it right. Might take a long time, but when you see it all come full circle, there ain't no better feeling. Exactly, and I don't think there's a better way to close it out than that. So, Nick, again, appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.
Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.